Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, so our guest today is Jean Liu. She is the lead designer of Jean Liu Designs, a full-service interior design firm in Dallas, Texas. In 2018, she was named one of House Beautiful's 10 Next Wave Designers, and her work has been featured in House Beautiful, Traditional Home, Town and Country, Architectural Digest, The Wall Street Journal, and others. And we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I just really enjoyed going through your portfolio because you there's so many elements that I felt like were in some ways um, sort of counter but work together so beautifully. Like you have um, this really skilled hand with I want I don't want to say minimalism, but editing, let's say. But then you also love like bold art, and yes. um, so over the top statements sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. It made for a, um, some really interesting and dynamic spaces, and you could really tell how each of your different clients um, sort of express are expressing various goals they have for their homes and their personalities in different ways. So I really sure. enjoyed looking through it. Thank you. Um, I will say I've had the pleasure of working with a couple of clients now um, for whom the art is the um, focus of their home and everything um, from the furnishings to the way the layout works is really about trying to play up the art. It's the, it's what people, they want people to see and focus on when they um, come and visit or how they want to experience their home after um, a work day. So it's nice to know that that actually gets translated um, through someone like uh, you as you as you look through the portfolio. Well, and you say like you're never too young to collect, right? Absolutely. So because it's a little um, intimidating. How do we get around that deciding? Ugh. Because um, I, I think there was an interview where you said, you know what, my husband and I buy what resonates with us, not necessarily things that we think will appreciate in value. How, how do we how do we know what we love? I think um, get out there and see everything you can, whether it's um, a gallery opening on a weeknight or if you just want to go and um, even to a museum on a weekend. I think the more you see, the more you'll um, know what resonates with you. And I think part of um, enjoying art is about not being afraid to make a mistake. Obviously, collecting can quickly become a very expensive habit, but I think... um, you know, buy what you love, forget, forget what it's actually could be worth or what it's worth today or what the provenance might be. And I think um, for me, at least, it's been extremely helpful to have a group of friends who are also collectors. We're not competitive. Um, we get together, we talk about art. I have a gallerist um, that I feel like I can always pick up the phone and ask dumb questions about art. And I think it's about dropping that um, notion that we should all come to uh a piece of art and have this intense vocabulary or way of um, talking about the piece. Um, I think that all just goes by the wayside. 
So, okay, in your traditional home feature, traditional home featured your home. It was absolutely gorgeous. We'll get to that more in a minute. But you mentioned that you have an art trainer. Is that who you're talking about? Tell us more about that. What is an art trainer and how can he or she train our eyes to see better? So this art trainer was introduced to me as a friend. He is, in fairness, um, an art consultant as well. He actually has a day job that's in finance. So this is not really the way that he makes his living. He has been collecting art for 30 to 40 years now. He is a friend of mine. He often encourages me to go and walk galleries with him on a weekend. Um, Our training sessions are pretty much a weekly conversation about um, a show that's happening, whether it's at a gallery or a museum. He will send me something. We will um, talk about it via email, chat back and forth. And I think that through that dialogue, and it's been going on 10 years now, I've really been able to learn a lot. And he's really um, gotten me to focus on what it is about a piece of work I like, whether it's the brushstroke, the composition, the um, subject matter. And these things really help give me um, ideas to reflect upon in terms of what is matter, what, what's important to me as a collector. Mm-hmm. So. I love that idea. I, okay. Do you, okay. I'm wondering if there's a way that <laughs> <Okay>. people can, <laughs> I'm wondering if there's a way that people can kind of take the same concept and do it on their own in the sense that like maybe you find a girlfriend who also loves art and the two of you just sort of become your own little art critics and you bounce ideas off of each other. Sure. I mean, clearly this friend of yours has a very trained eye and is an expert. But I wonder if we can all just kind of do this more and even or even with our spouses. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't see why not. Practice. I mean, book, book clubs are a thing now. I mean, I don't know that you necessarily get together and talk about the book the entire time. <laughs> um, but it is it is sort of the basis for what a gathering occurs. And this is how I um, approach my conversations with my art trainer. We don't always talk about art, but it always is the beginning of why this phone conversation, this meeting happened. Um, and it's really evolved into a friendship that I really enjoy. So, I yeah. love that idea. I, I, I feel like we can all just kind of take a more critical eye to art, not, not for the purpose of, you know, this is good or bad, but just to, like you said, help, you know, sort of, uh, tease out why you might be drawn to this thing versus that thing, you know? I think that for me, that has been the biggest um, positive influence of this art trainer is I can feel a certain way about a piece of art when I'm standing in front of it, but I don't necessarily have the vocabulary or the words to articulate what I'm experiencing. And I don't want to come across or, you know, articles in art form, they intimidate me. They use big words. I feel like I need a dictionary to look up every other term that's been um, used in an article. My art trainer just helps me really distill what I'm experiencing into a normal um, way of speech. And you don't need an art history degree. No, it is helpful, but you don't need it. (laughs) Okay, well, speaking of degrees, You have an unusual path into design, and I wonder if you could give us just a quick little synopsis in how you got into this field and your unconventional, an unconventional path here. Sure. Um, I jokingly refer to myself as the accidental designer. I went to um, college at Georgetown. I was 
in the School of Foreign Service, and I had every intention of um, pursuing that path. I went on to get a master's degree in theology because I became very interested in the intersection of religion and politics. It was actually what my senior thesis would have been at Georgetown had I chosen to actually turn it in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got to Harvard for um, my master's program and um, got a phone call about coming back into the family business, which had always been based out of Texas. Um, I come from a pretty traditional and guilt-ridden Chinese family. So I decided that I would go back to Dallas after I graduated and just give this quote-unquote family business a year. I also, in fairness, didn't exactly know what I wanted to do coming out of this master's degree program. Um, I came back for a year. I met my husband three months after moving into an apartment in Dallas. He is a seventh generation Texan (laughs) and I think the rest is history. So in terms of how I got to Dallas now, fair in fairness, I was pretty miserable at work. I didn't really feel like I belonged. I was completely um, in a field that I didn't have any background or training in. And that's not very comfortable um, for someone like me who's used to studying and preparing and, um, being even pretty competitive at what I do. So I decided that I would um, dabble in antiques. You know, eBay back then still had great finds and you know, you might find something that nobody knew what the real value was worth. So that became a hobby. Um, At the same time, I moved from the apartment into my own home as a first time homeowner. I actually had a really great experience, experience with a contractor. All of those horror stories you hear about, I actually didn't experience at all. The contractor and I had such a great time working on um, this historical Tudor home in the middle of Dallas that we went on to renovate and sell three additional homes. Wow. Wow. So between collecting antiques and flipping these homes, I started realizing that I was having, you know, a blast. The last house that we flipped was in Fort Worth. The market was actually not doing very well at the time, and it was the largest project I had taken on. I was probably 28 years old, and I was pretty panicked. What was going to happen if we didn't sell this house? So the broker told me, she said, you know, I think you might have a better chance if you add some soft furnishings to the home. Go ahead and do the window treatments. There was a beautiful window bench in the kitchen. She said, why don't you go ahead and have the cushion made? Well, I ended up taking on these things myself. And a friend of mine had seen this house right after those touches were installed. And she said, hey, I'm actually going through a divorce. We can't, I can't afford to move out of my current home. Will you come in and just redo everything for me? I don't want the things to remind me of him anymore. So... I said, of course, I'm not charging you. She said, I'm not giving you this job unless I pay you. So I quoted her some nominal fee and we had a great time renovating, um, redecorating her um, condo. And by the time that was done, I had two more projects. And I was doing this all in the evening and on the weekend after my quote unquote day job at the family business. And I think um, almost a year later, I went, wait, this is... I probably need to rethink um, what I'm doing here. And 
I was taking money and I felt like I needed to really start a business or have an LLC or, you know, how do I pay taxes and things of that nature. So that's when Jean Lou Design was actually formed. That's such a great story. And I love how, you know, I feel like a lot of times house flippers get a bad, and I hate to use that word, but they get a bad rap because, you know, you kind of assume there's there's not a, I don't know, high quality of design going into it. But I love that right. that was your sort of your launching pad and somewhere where you could really, um, you know, put your skills to the test and, and um, try it out. I had a great time. And I will say the house did go under contract the week after <laughs> the window go. treatments there were installed. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you find that that experience working with home design has influenced the way that you do interiors, how those two things speak to each other? Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, you know, what gets me out of bed is still this idea of what, um, how powerful a beautiful home or home that works for a family can, can be in all facets of your life. And so I think that is the foundation um, for our studio. And it does trickle those same ideas and notions of what home can be um, that trickles into, you know, all of these other projects, whether they're commercial or not. Mm-hmm. So I loved the client um, that you talked about, and I can't remember which article this was, but um, there was a feature about a family who said that they wanted a Zen kitchen. And I wonder if you could kind of explain the concept of of that to our listeners, because I feel like for many of us, the kitchen is not the Zen place in the home. You know, <laughs> it's it's like the hustle not. and bustle, it's busy, there's stuff on the countertop. So why is it that they wanted a Zen kitchen and how did you achieve that um, while still making it you know, functional for all the purposes that one needs in a kitchen? So in fairness, um, this I think we all want a Zen kitchen, especially after this year. Um, yes, true. <laughs> these clients, um, they, the kitchen was actually the very center of the program for a floor plan. It was the heart of the home. And so I think they wanted very much for it to be um, a place of um, serenity and they didn't want to see a huge mess. They wanted to come home, hang out in this spot, but not look at their appliances or their takeout boxes from the day before, or, you know, they wanted it to be extremely orderly, which I don't blame them. Um, I think as we got into the design process, even though they may not have thought of themselves as big cooks, they realized that their expectations for this quote unquote Zen kitchen might not have been completely practical. Um, (laughs) And as a result, what ended up happening was their we installed another kitchen behind the quote-unquote Zen kitchen. So the kitchen behind the actual kitchen facing the family room ended up being where a lot of the heavy work was done. So they could actually enjoy their meals and their coffee and the ketchup on the day in the Zen kitchen, but not have to look at the mess that might have been um, the follow-up to the coffee, the dinner, (laughs) the food prep. So. Okay, I have so many questions because then don't yes. you just have one messy room that you're always like worried about? Like, oh God, I got to go clean up the mess in the back that I can't see, but it's still there. It's not going anywhere. Agreed. Yeah, but you can walk and away and that, have your moment without it. True. So yes, I think that's exactly what they ended up realizing um, or we realized together is the only way for there to be a true Zen kitchen is to have um, all of the um, mess be in a spot where you're not actually having to 
experience it with your coffee or your dinner um, mm-hmm. and a little bit out of sight, out of mind, at least for the time when um, you're in the Zen kitchen. Mm-hmm. So. Well, so are many there- of the homes that you have on your portfolio are open, very open, big windows, lofty ceilings, you know, yes. kitchens, adjoining family rooms and whatnot. Is there a struggle in those layouts to hide some of the unseemly things we don't want to look at. Absolutely. I think that that is, you know, we can always take a beautiful photo. We can put the appliances away. We can, you know, stash the dishes. Um, But in reality, it is somewhat of a challenge um, to keep that part of the home looking as beautiful as the photo might appear. I also think that a lot of these images are for families that travel or empty nesters they are not really hard on their kitchens. It's not like they're preparing food for three or four kids every night. Um, a lot of them are very fond of takeout. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the wear and tear they're putting on that room is relatively minor, but that, that is sense. not necessarily the case. So we um, shouldn't be judging ourselves when we're looking at these. No, kind of absolutely <gasps> not. Please. please no. <laughs> no. But you have a child. I do. Right. How are you? How are you keeping your own beautiful Italian style? I was looking at your home; it's gorgeous. How do you keep that Thank thing? You. Um, you know, looking up to snuff, or do you have you know lots of concealed storage, or are you just like whatever? Put put your stuff wherever you want. Um. Well, first of all, my painter is on speed dial. <laughs> so Always touching. We it up. we have um, with all of the art, we do have mat walls, which. By the way, I don't recommend if you have young children. I've learned this um, painfully, but um, so I recommend having a good painter. Um, I do feel like for our daughter, it helps if we have zones, we establish zones. She can be um, in the playroom, in her room with whatever's going on. And right now this year with distance learning, it's been um, a big mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in her playroom, that's where all the toys are. There are currently Legos and um, slime making efforts <laughs> going on. So oh I think gosh. that helps at least contain the mess. But mm-hmm. it is definitely a challenge. And um, I am in there cleaning the kitchen, I would probably say at least twice a day. Oh, really? Yeah. It well, is, I mean, yes. ha- who, who isn't, who with kids isn't cleaning? I mean, you. I, I feel like that's kind of. It true. is. Yeah. It's, All the storage in the world cannot solve um, the Play-Doh that's been ground into the carpet or <laughs> the paint that's been spilled. Um, so mm-hmm. that's yeah. it's know, part of a labor life. of love. Right, yeah. It is. Yeah. Yes. And, and you get a scratch on something and it's just going to be a memory of that day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really also encourage clients, you know, use your rooms, enjoy your furniture. Don't be the people that um, put a plastic cover over <laughs> their bar stool mm-hmm. or their sofa. I mean, use it and enjoy it and know that, yeah, it's going to need to be recovered or replaced at some point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Nothing, nothing in the world is forever. And no. nothing's you know, more precious no. than your family. Right. Absolutely. That's so yeah. I try and tell myself that too. I know <laughs> that's hard. That's a hard one when people are tottering around with red wine on your white sofa and you're like, ah. uh, don't spill. Yeah. Well, Jean, can you tell everyone about your house? Because I did think that was such a great story of, um, tell everyone how you ended up at your house. Yes. This is the house that um, my husband and I used to stalk. We would 
go to dinner <laughs> and park our cars across the street and just stare at it and um, pray that the neighbors didn't come out and call the police. Um, we talked to our agent and said, hey, if this house ever came on the market, we would really love the chance to see it and maybe buy it. And she was very diplomatic, but essentially she said, it's never going to come on the market and you're never going to want to pay what they want for it. So, And had you ever been inside? Never. Okay, you were and just lusting from, from afar. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we went on thinking this was um, just futile, sitting here pining away for a home that was never going to be ours and ended up buying a home two streets away, literally on the same block. And I had already poured maybe nine months worth of renovations into it when I got a phone call from my agent saying, hey, you're never going to believe it. But we just learned that the woman who bought the house, apparently it never went on the market. It sold to this family. She was still not really happy with this purchase because she really wanted a home that was um, that she and that owner couldn't come to an agreement to on the price. She was still unhappy, and so she was going to sell this house. So my agent called me and said, you can go in and see it. You need to tell them within 24 hours whether you want this house or not. So my husband and I go racing over there. Um, we look at the house. We probably bit off more than we could chew financially. And we said, of course we want it. Um, forget that it had pink plaster walls and green um, forest green cabinets everywhere. Everything that I felt like I could solve within time. So we take on this home and then literally, I would say two weeks later, the market bottomed out. So we put any kind of renovation or plan on hold, which I can tell you in retrospect was the smartest thing we could have done. But Jean, did you so still we able... own the first home? Or are you now the owner of two homes? Okay. I am now the owner, proud owner of <laughs> okay. two homes. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> so, that was painful. Um, we were we were able to um, sell the home that I had already renovated um, and that was not too difficult, but um, we didn't feel like we could actually take on any of the improvements we wanted to make to this new home. It was 2009, and so we actually just um, lived in the home for a year. And like I was saying, it was the best thing that we could have ever done. It forced me to really evaluate how we actually function in the walls of that mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. um, did I really use the library? Did I actually walk into the living room on a regular basis? How often do I really want to entertain in this dining room? I didn't think I would. In fact, the room that I hated the most, wanted to tear off immediately, has now become the favorite room in our entire house. Oh, which room so, is that? The great room. Okay. Oh, yes, because you mentioned like it wasn't your favorite. It's so big and, you know, like not cozy. And then now you love. Exactly. So I did not care for how quickly and dramatically the volumes of space changed as we walked from the kitchen into the great room. But it is now my favorite room in the house. It gets the best light. I think that's really smart. I did that in my own home. And it, you're right. You know, wh 
where does the light hit and where do you want to sit? And it draws you around. It has its own energy. Sure. And, and like taking a moment to kind of be quiet and listen to that, I think ultimately saves you so much money and so many mistakes and, and kind of guides you. And I think that having, um, knowing that we couldn't do everything at once in a strange way allowed me to really enjoy the process more rather than, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this because we're moving into it. So now tell me about how you furnished it because, um, you know, I imagine as a designer, your, your typical like modus operandi is to go in, do it all in one foul swoop, but you're obviously not doing that here. So did you have a furniture plan? Did you go room by room? Did you collect things gradually, you know, and kind of spread it out? Like, how did that process work? Um, I would say that finishing my own home was a fairly organic process. Um, It was also a little bit of experimentation. We did paint some rooms a color I realized I didn't want, so the paint tried to come back and repaint it. it was probably eight years in the making before it was actually ever photographed. And I tell people and clients, in some ways, I don't think your home's ever really done. Um, there are parts of the home that didn't get photographed and it's because I wasn't done with them yet. So I feel like it was pretty organic and um, we had the plan, we had the furniture layout, and then it was about filling in for me with the right antique, oh, with this piece of art. Or if I did get a new piece of art, how does everything else shuffle around the house? Because, again, I come back to, you know, I am one of those people where I want the focal point of my home to be the artwork. So. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at your great room right now and your home in general. I mean, it's stunning. And, and it's surprising to me kind of when I'm digging into the images here, how many traditional items that you have. Because as I look yes. through a lot of the rest of your portfolio, one of the things I was going to ask you was, I don't see a single skirt on a single piece of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I go to your home, I do. So there's a, you know, it's sort of a, a different mix there with a little more traditional, um, you know, sure. layered in, even with the art. And I just love that. It's really beautiful. You know, once someone asked me, um, the editor of Traditional Home, she goes, how did you do your house? And I said, it became a collection of everything I love. It wasn't about a certain style or a certain time period. It, it really is just um, things that I have collected over the last 10, 15 years and how they all work in this historical home. Um, and it's, it, I would say that it's come together pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Some of it by accident, too. That's the best, though, the accidents. Yeah. So in that great room, you've got three chandeliers. Yes. That's a big (laughs) room. I mean, I think that's a great lesson, though, for people because so many homes have these very expansive rooms and people do not know how to portion them out and make it so that there are livable spaces in there. And I love the way that you, you did kind of carve it up. You even have like a little game table or is it a breakfast table? Yes. Do you use that? We use it as a breakfast table every day. Every day we use the breakfast table. Um, The kitchen is actually right off of that great room. You can't see it from the photo, but we literally prepare meals and sit down at that breakfast table together. Um, And it is also the table where my daughter has um, decided she's going to do homework. And it (laughs) is the table where um, puzzles are put together. So it, it definitely gets a lot of use. The, the ability to have broken up that room into three 
seating areas has been huge because, you know, my husband can actually sit on the sofa, watch a game, and I can go over to the um, seating area closer to the fireplace and actually get enough distance where I can actually go through a magazine, read a book, just be in the same space, but not actually be in the um, craziness of what's going on in football. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're so. still together. <laughs> together, but yeah. together, but separate. Yeah. <laughs> but that's nice because I, you know, it, it, there's something mentally different about going into a totally different room and cuddling up with your book than yeah. being, mm-hmm. you know, six feet away from each other. You're still somehow connected. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think the proximity of that um, second living area closer to the fireplace also. I go there for a different purpose. I go there if I want to crawl up and read a book. I sit at the sofa if I want to watch TV with him. So even even in the even though it's in the same room, there's a different sort of function or priority that's happening. Right. So Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There was a project that you did and it was featured in a house beautiful and I wanted to ask you about it because um in 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 the article that you talk about the clients wanting to reuse furniture and i'm wondering if there's a strategy we should you know if if anyone is is moving into a new space how do you go about rethinking your furniture you know did you just do you just pick up the living room sofa and put it in your next living room do you totally reimagine things like what what do you think is a the best way to take pieces you already have and and put them to good use even if your space is drastically different so in this particular project, um, my clients did not only have some pieces of furniture that meant a lot to them, but they were quality pieces. Um, and they also had art that they had collected together for 20, 30 years um, during their travels. For th- my biggest um, advice is to find a spot in your home where the piece of furniture you want to keep works with the scale of the room. Okay. And um, for them, these sofas in the front living room, they were pretty important to them, but they had a skirt on them and they were very traditional. We, in this particular case, um, talked the client into completely reupholstering them, removing the skirt, getting rid of, um, I believe there was a band of nail heads. Um, In order to have it be more in line with the overall look and feel of this new home. So I think upholstery is a huge, thing to consider. And, you know, we actually talk about at some point in a client's life, we recommend buying a quality piece of furniture that you know you're just going to reupholster um, a few times. So this was actually one of those pieces. They were great sofas, had great frames and just needed a new um, look to them. You know, in another another client's home, they had a beautiful master bedroom um, setup that they really liked, they also paid a lot of money for, but they didn't really want it to be their master bedroom furniture when they moved into this new house. So it just so happened that the son was transitioning from his little boy room to a big boy room. And so we actually moved all of that furniture into his room, recovered it in a color scheme that worked for him. And um, it actually was a great way to um, continue using some pieces that had served these clients well. Smart. Okay. I know that you don't necessarily have, may not have an answer to this, but. Um, <laughs> yes, she will. But like if you, okay, for your clients who maybe had a, a much more traditional home and then are moving into somewhere more modern, like what is it you think that motivates them to buy a drastically 
different home than what they've got knowing, I mean, especially if they don't want to get rid of their furniture. I mean, you know, like, what do you think it is that Mm -hmm. has them take that plunge when it's just going to be such a drastically different lifestyle? You know, I think that um, either there's a big life change or they finally, such as they've gotten the kids out of the house um, or they've traveled and have been extremely inspired by a particular hotel or a place that they've been that really they feel like, okay, they're ready for this huge um, watershed moment, if you will. I did have this client, by the way, they lived in a pretty traditional home in a pretty traditional residential neighborhood of Dallas. And they um, built the most modern, rigorous architecture home um, I think I've ever worked on. And they went from furniture that was brown with scrolled arms to not a single curve. <laughs> Everything is a straight line. Um, no no pleats, no tufts, no nothing. And they sold every single piece of furniture wow. they had in their home before they moved into this new one. And if you asked them, they would tell you that this house had always sort of been in the back of their mind. It was the culmination of um, their travels around the world. And they just needed an opportunity and enough motivation to do it. Wow. So, Well, you know, I think sometimes when we get started, when we're young and poor, you know, we start with <laughs> things we can get our hands on, you know, things our parents yeah. give us or things that friends don't need or whatever. You're just delighted to have a sofa, sure. something to sit on. Oh, you've got an right. extra coffee table. I'll take it. I'll paint it. I'll repurpose it. You know, you're just making do and, and it kind of grows and grows you know, and maybe you replace that coffee table and get a new one, but to have that opportunity for a full, fresh restart, um, yes. you know, I think that comes later when you've got a little more cash, the kids are gone and you can kind of do what you want. This kind of exciting. Yes. For them it was. I mean, and I also think that some people have that aha moment where your home goes from just being a place where you you know, rest your head at the end of every day to a place that you find um, is a destination for you and your family. It is spa-like, it is a retreat, it is everything you need to um, recharge at the end of a long day. And so when those priorities or the, that outlook shifts, I think oftentimes the kind of home that gets designed or the kind of change in style occurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Makes a great sense. point. And that's, I mean, we talk about that so much, but because you know, you spend so much of your life at home. Why not make it a place that you really want to be? Not that just is your, you know, especially because homeownership is expensive and furniture is. is expensive. Like why not do it in a way that you really love and doesn't feel like a burden? True. You know? Absolutely. And especially after this year, I mean, we've seen yes. um, homeowners finally do the things that they've talked about wanting to do, but couldn't justify because either, it was too much money or they might need that guest bedroom for when family came to visit. I mean, all of that's kind of gone out the window mm-hmm. now, which is actually refreshing for us to see as designers. Yes. Yeah. Getting honest about how we want to use that space and then really just making yes. it work for us. Yeah. Yes. Well, Jean, in those spaces though, that are no curves, no pleats, no anything, how do you keep them warm? How do you make them feel hospitable? I think that, um, we really then try and focus on how everything's upholstered, the use of materials, um, a warm wood floor, a really textural rug, fabrics on upholstery that are really warm, have a nice hand to them, 
throw pillows that actually um, continue to mimic that same sense of warmth. I feel like that's how we get around spaces that might otherwise feel pretty cold. Um, and I think really that's where the magic is, is if you can walk into a home that's pretty austere, um, minimal in layout, but still not feel like you've got to run the other direction because it's so um, uninviting. Right. right. <laughs> or I can't wear any pattern in here. I'll clash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or walk over, you know, have a snack or drink some wine. Right. Only white wine. No, I mean, I think in one of these homes, only white wine is allowed. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've seen that on TV. I haven't actually been to someone's home where they were like, mm, only white beverages, only clear yeah. and light beverages. <sighs> I what think about coffee? Some- Do they not drink coffee? They probably don't yeah, serve it at parties. Similar. Not at parties. Mm-mm. At least not the ones I've been to. <laughs> it's all vodka, gin, okay. and Chardonnay. There you go. Or White Claw these yeah, days. White Claw. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of problems, should we solve a decorating dilemma? I think sure. we should. I think we should do it. Okay. I think it's time. So Laura writes us, hi, friends. Hi, Laura. Um, to start, hi, Laura. isn't she sweet? I, I love the podcast. It has been very helpful while planning our remodel. My dilemma is lighting in my kitchen. We are doubling the size of our kitchen. The house was originally built in 1946. We hired a kitchen designer to plan the kitchen layout, cabinet layout, and they did a wonderful job, even figured out a layout that would fit in a walk-in pantry. Yay. However, we did not pay for an electrical plan. So here's our dilemma. The planned island is not centered with the three existing windows. I was originally thinking of putting single sconces over each window and hanging two larger semi-flush mounts over the island, but I can't decide if that will look weird or not. Am I focusing too much on symmetry? Also to note, the ceilings are eight and a half feet and my husband is six and a half feet. She put six and a half. Oh, yeah. I thought it said inches. <laughs> I'm like, he's very short. Uh, <laughs> and is the main cook in our house. So I'm shy to put pendants in. But he's not going to stand on the island. But anyway. Okay. So I'm shy to put pendants in. The planned kitchen layout is attached. So, you know, like she says, her island is not centered up with the windows. She wanted to put sconces over the windows and pendants over the islands. What should she do? Should she worry about the symmetry? So I would say that. Yes, I would take into account um, the symmetry or the asymmetry in this particular case. And looking at her layout, um, I think that we would recommend that she, if she wanted to use a fixture over her island, that she look at linear fixtures um, that basically are run the length of the island. And so by not doing a pendant, you're not actually you know drawing these straight lines down the middle of your kitchen to draw your eye attention to exactly where center would be, especially with the window behind it. Um, I think the other thing that helps in her case is that you actually, from the plans, it looks like you walk into the kitchen and you actually walk into the end of the island first. So a linear fixture um, will help detract your eye from really what center can be. Um, I think that the other consideration to make is that she has a very tall husband. So um, even though the fixture may be over the island, 
Another way to treat it would be to perhaps use um, a flush mount or a semi-flush mount throughout the kitchen in the series. So I think Ballard has this great Greta fixture that she could use throughout. And that way you're basically preserving as much ceiling height as you can throughout to get even light. Um, we would I also love when say designers that, do that. That's yeah, a bold it's actually move a great right look. There. Yeah. It's, it's bold. So yeah, I, I think I heard great, on, great idea. Uh-huh. Um, we, we actually are dying to do that for this um, one kitchen renovation we have going on. Um, so then, you know, you don't feel like the ceiling, you're not drawing your eye down any farther than you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option we think she should consider is maybe perhaps using gooseneck sconces over her window mm. and letting the lighting be handled through re- recessed cans throughout. That way you're choosing to focus on the window as opposed to the island being on um, the center of the kitchen. So, so those are three unique, like one over that's each three individual. Well, I mean um, like either do a linear or do a series of flush mounts or do the yes. next. Is that what yes. you're saying? Okay. Okay. Three I just options. want to clarify. It's not like a combination All of, of them. Three. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So if she does the linear, she should not do gooseneck with it. No. Okay. I think it's too much. Okay. Mm-hmm. The eye doesn't know where, what, what, what it should be looking at. Got it. And I, th- I feel like she, well, first off, I love all of your ideas. Um, Thanks. I feel like she, what, one thing for her is that she, you know, it's like, it's so easy when you're looking at this plan, you know, from above to like focus on that symmetry, but you really can't, like you said, you're not like, there's just a wall behind the island, basically. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this to our listeners, but you cannot stand back, say, six, 10 feet from the island straight ahead. So you're really never going to be looking at it. Like exactly. down a hallway at the island. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, it's not going to be as noticeable once it's all installed as she is worrying about. Right. Agreed. Right. So while I think that she, it is, I think it's a good idea to consider the fact that there's, um, it, it's not lined up. I don't think that um, it's difficult to work around her mm-hmm. current proposed configuration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm into the gooseneck idea just because I do think that that will give that wall something fun to look at. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also part and parcel of the style of home that she True. references. True. And how much, like where, what, what direction are those windows facing? Are they South facing? Is this going to get a ton of light? Mm-hmm. Are they North facing? It's not right. going to get any light. Like she, you know, True. the actual, quality of the lighting is going to make a big difference. Yeah. And you can control a lot of that, like you're saying with recessed, uh, you know, you can spot them down on your island or your work area so that, you know, you can really control where you want to see stuff and then actually have moodier ones for other times of day and whatnot. What about if she um, does, like, she's got some great little surfaces, like on the other side, there's like a doorway with a fridge on one side and a little um, sort of landing spot on the other. What if she puts like a little mini lamp or like sure. little tiny accents scattered around. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to clutter up your countertops before you've even built it, but I do love that that look sometimes, and it helps to sort of light up an area maybe that um, would otherwise we, be sort of dark. We also um, think that, you know, in, in any kind of kitchen remodel, to go ahead and 
at least make way for um, LED cabinet lighting, yes. um, under under cabinet lighting. Yes. You know, the profiles are so tiny now and they can put out such great um, quality of light. It's a great way to get task lighting as you're um, standing in various parts of your kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so, it does give a lovely you know, glow, brings those corners to life. Um, we, we love leaving ours on yeah. <laughs> at night. So, yeah. yeah. And mine's um, on a dimmer. You know, you can just get exactly yep. kind of the, the vibe you want. I, we always believe everything should be on a dimmer that can everything. be on a dimmer. Everything. Everything. <laughs> We're so. in agreement there. We're yes. creatures yes. for dimmers. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yes. We should have this show yes. sponsored by Dimmer Company. It's on. Yes. Oh, yes. Lutron, where are you? <laughs> Lutron, calling Lutron. <laughs> so. Well, Jean, it was lovely to meet you. Yes. Yes, for- this was a great way to spend a very cold, great afternoon. <laughs> so we, I love the opportunity to chat with you. And again, I just, I encourage everyone to go check out your work and your Instagram. Tell every, actually tell everyone where to find you, follow you, see your sure. work, all of that good stuff. Our Instagram handle is at Design, J-E-A-N-L-I-U, design. It does not have an S at the end. And our <laughs> website is www.jeanlewdesign.com. And I hope you'll come visit and see what we've been up to. And your home in there is Art and Soul, isn't it? It is. So it if is you want to see her soul. house, look in the portfolio and find Art and Soul. And that is her home with that fantastic great room. Thank it's you gorgeous. so much. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Much too kind. Thank you. Loved hearing the story about it too. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.